Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Zechariah is one of those hidden treasures in the Old Testament. As a book of prophecy, it does seem mysterious and rather vague to many readers of the Bible. But as with all of Scripture, with the Spirit's illumination and the right keys to unlock our understanding, it reveals marvelous treasures. The main treasure in Zechariah is how compellingly and marvelously Christ is revealed. We see him as the shepherd of God's flock in chapters 11 through 13, as he comes in in an intimate way to feed and supply God's suffering people. But we also see how fully this one was rejected, attacked, judged, and ultimately crucified as well. Bob Danker has joined us for our fellowship in uh, Zechariah chapter 11 and 12. Bob, good to have you back. It's good to be back, Chris. And as you said, it's marvelous to see the revelation of Christ in these Old Testament prophetic books. This book of Zechariah is a real mystery. And as you said, we need some keys Mm -hmm. to unlock this mystery. And uh, God's people have been studying this book for many centuries. And I would say the Lord has given us the key to open up the treasures in this book and to see the riches of Christ revealed in Zechariah. Bob, as a book of prophecy, we see references literally in Zechariah to Jehovah, sometimes the angel of Jehovah, and variously these terms are interchanged, but these are really pointing us, aren't they, to Christ in a very definite way. That's right. We can strongly affirm that Jehovah is Jesus, and Jesus is Jehovah. So when this book speaks about Jehovah visiting his people, uh, shepherding his people, it really refers to the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is Jehovah God, the triune God incarnated to be a man, to be among uh, his people on the earth and to shepherd them in an intimate and loving way. In these chapters 9, 10, and 11, then, what we're really seeing prophetically speaking, is the first coming of Christ when he did come and assumed this very humble situation among his people, an intimate situation, a loving situation, and there were times when he was much received, but ultimately, of course, we all know he was rejected in his first coming. Later on in the book, in fact, in the next chapter, in chapter 12, we see him coming again, don't we? That's right. The Lord is coming first through incarnation and then through his second coming, and in this book, he, his coming is to take care of God's suffering people, the children of Israel. Okay, uh, let us pick up chapter 11. We have a couple of uh, key points that we'll see early on here. I'll read a few verses to kind of set the stage. In verse 7, chapter 11, So I shepherded the flock of slaughter, and thereby the afflicted of the flock. And I took to myself two staffs, one called favor, and the other called bonds, and I shepherded the flock. And I took my staff favor, and I broke it in pieces, so as to break my covenant, which I had made with all the peoples. Then I broke my second staff, bonds in pieces, so as to break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. These uh, full of 
very graphic and pictorial language, Bob, and Witness Lee will help give us some of the keys to sort this out and really see Christ revealed, as we said, in a marvelous way. Amen. All right, here's Witness Lee. In chapter 11, the first six verses, we have a portion that is concerning Jesus as the shepherd. God, Jehovah, came to feed his people who are going to be slaughtered. Of course, that was Jesus. Jesus came. And thereby the afflicted of the flock, and I, Jesus, took to myself two staffs, and one I called favor, and the other I called bonds, and I fed the flock. Favor means grace. Bind means to be bound into oneness, to enjoy the grace and to be one. You know, you read the four Gospels, you could see the Lord Jesus as the proper shepherd was rejected. So the people of Israel were left in a situation that they didn't have any shepherd. So grace was taken away. The binding element was also taken away. So they fought each other. And I took my staff, favor, and I broke it in pieces so as to break my covenant which I had made with all the people. You know, to break the staff, which is called favor, that equals to break the covenant. God did make a covenant through Moses. Now, at the Lord Jesus' time, that covenant was broken. So this means the people of Israel were under a situation without any kind of covenant to cover them. So they suffer. And the favor is gone. The grace is gone. Then I broke my second. I broke my second staff, bonds in pieces. From that day, from the day of Christ's crucifixion, there were no more any one accord or oneness among the Jews. They were brothers. But among them, the binding love was broken. After they crucified the Lord Jesus, that means they rejected him to the uttermost. They were just fighting each other, devouring each other. Then, at that kind of situation, Titus came in to devastate the entire country of Judah. So, they suffered under the tyranny of the Roman Empire. Well, Bob, in this segment, uh, we heard Witness Lee both speak of some of the prophetic symbolic language, these two staffs, and then also sort of connect that to the actual historical happenings to Israel at the end of uh, that period of time after they did reject him. So we had favor, the first staff favor, implying or signifying grace, the second staff oneness among God's people. Why don't you just develop this thought a little bit and kind of connect all these pieces? Yes. Here we see a marvelous picture of the Lord Jesus, who is Jehovah God. Uh, Jehovah says in verse 7, So I shepherded the flock of slaughter. And this I here is a reference to the Lord Jesus, who is Jehovah himself, who became a man to live in the Holy Land 
as a genuine Jewish person, although he was the son of God as a man, he was a Jew, and he came as Jehovah God to shepherd God's people, and he brought with him two staffs with which he could shepherd them. One was called favor, which refers to grace. The other is called bonds, which refers to the binding of the people of Israel into oneness. Hmm. So God's people need grace. They need some supply from the Lord so that they can be one people. They can be one. They can be bound together in the genuine divine brotherly love to have the genuine oneness among them. And the Lord came to them as a shepherd to bring them the grace of God and the oneness among themselves that was the result of the enjoyment of that grace. But as we read, as we go on in this chapter, instead of receiving the Lord Jesus as their shepherd, they rejected him, they despised him, Later in the chapter, it says they sold him for 30 pieces of silver. And we know that's a reference to the betrayal of the Lord by Judas. And then after that, he was crucified. So they put him on the cross. So they rejected the Lord as their shepherd to the uttermost. And after that, there was no longer any oneness among the people of Israel. There was nothing but fighting among themselves. Uh, Verse 9 of this chapter is quite a verse. It says, Then I said, I will not shepherd you. What is to die will die, and what is to be destroyed will be destroyed, and those who are left will each eat one another's flesh. This is a a picture of a condition of lack of oneness and mutual devouring of one another. This is what actually happened after the Lord Jesus was crucified, after the children of Israel rejected him as their shepherd. And then after that, shortly after that, perhaps, No more than 40 years later, Titus of Rome came in to destroy Jerusalem with a temple, scatter the Jews. So after the Jews rejected Christ as their shepherd, they were fighting within and among themselves. Then they were persecuted by the Romans, and they were scattered all over the face of the earth. What a pitiful result of the rejecting of Christ and his shepherding love and care. Bob, that reference you made to um, the uh, betrayal of Christ by Judas is in verse 12. Uh, I think all of our listeners will recognize this language now. And I said to them, this is the Lord speaking in first person here. I said to them, if it is good in your sight, give me my wages. But if not, do not bother. So they weighed out my wages, 30 pieces of silver. And the context here is altogether his being rejected by the very ones he had come to shepherd. Uh, So let's listen to Witness Lee again, sort of put this into a context that really has an implication and an application for us today as well as New Testament believers. The center of the prophecy in chapters 9 to 11 is Christ as the rejected Messiah. Three chapters on Christ in an intimate way. But in these three chapters, Christ is unveiled as the rejected Messiah. He came. In chapter 9, he came. But even though he was so nice, so loving, so kind in chapter 10, he was detested in chapter 11. He was attacked. He was sold. And he was crucified. This is the three chapters. In chapter 10, Christ was the kind 
visiting one, right? In his three and a half years ministry on this earth. When he was 30, he came out to shepherd. He came out to minister the spiritual supplies to God's chosen people throughout the country. Many got the help. But just because the help became so popular, that made the elders, scraps, priests, jealous. It was in jealousy that they arrested Jesus. And he was also judged firstly under the high priest of the Jews, according to God's law. Then finally, he was judged by the Roman government rulers, Herod and Pilate, according to Roman law. He was altogether justified, yet they crucified him there. This means what? Messiah came in a nice, intimate way to visit his people as their king. If they were prepared, they were ready, he should be welcome, right? Mm-hmm. It should have happened this way, but it didn't, just because of the rejection of Israel. You must take in all this thought, then you understand what this chapter talks about. And Bob, of course, we sit here with the benefit of hindsight now. We can look back at the history and match it to the prophecy and realize, again, God's Word is so tremendous, uh, all these things depicted in such a clear way. But rather than that as our focus, maybe there's a way that we can all benefit from an application to what we see here. Because I think in principle, uh, the same things are still valid. Uh, If the Lord is coming to shepherd us as his people today with these two components, these two staffs of grace and oneness, uh, there's a consequence whenever we reject him and this kind of shepherding, isn't there? That's right, Chris. Of course, this prophecy in Zechariah is related to the children of Israel, but Actually, we are today's Israel, we the believers in Christ. We are God's New Testament people. And as we look back at this prophecy, we can see uh, a real lesson and a real application for ourselves. Here in this situation, there were mainly two kinds of shepherds. One were the improper shepherds, the ones who exploited the sheep, didn't feed the sheep, rather used the sheep to benefit them, the improper shepherds. Mm -hmm. Then there was the proper shepherd, and that is the Lord Jesus himself. And the Lord came not to be served by the people, but to serve them and to bring to them the very grace of God for their enjoyment. Then they would have the oneness among themselves, and they would be God's corporate people on this earth, enjoying a sweet harmony and a one accord. I would say that down through the centuries, the Lord has always been shepherding his people. By uh, Here in Zechariah, he came himself to do this uh, through his incarnation. But today, uh, he doesn't come in the flesh anymore. He comes through his ministry, mm. through those whom he has raised up to minister himself to his people as grace for their supply and for their enjoyment. If we would receive this kind of ministry that supplies us with grace, which is really the Lord's shepherding of us today as his New Testament people. 
there would be a marvelous result, and that is that we would enjoy a sweet harmony and oneness among ourselves. We would be in one accord, and we would realize the great blessing of the Lord, not necessarily in a physical way of blessing, but definitely in a spiritual way of blessing. We would be built up together as the body of Christ. On the contrary, if we do not receive this proper shepherding of the Lord with the two staffs of favor and bonds, the staff of favor for the supply of grace and life, the staff of bonds to unite us to be one people, then our condition will be like that of the children of Israel. We will have internal fightings, devouring one another internally. We'll suffer a lot of hardship and oppression, and we will be scattered as the children of Israel ultimately were. We too, God's New Testament people, will be scattered in so many ways, and we will lose our oneness as God's chosen and called out, redeemed, regenerated people. We will be in a very pitiful condition. Of course, the um, the kind of scattering that the children of Israel suffered was a literal uh, geographical scattering. I mean, they were scattered all over the various points of the earth. For us as believers, we suffer a similar scattering, as you said, but ours is more uh, internal scattering, a kind of a spiritual scattering. And I think it's fair to say, and this is one of the things that grieves nearly all of God's people in their more reflective moments. And none of us feel good about the way that as believers, we're all somewhat sort of scattered across the spiritual landscape, do we? That's right. Uh, although we are brothers in Christ and we acknowledge that, Uh, We don't enjoy the sweet brotherly love that makes us one, that overcomes all kinds of differences and allows us really to have a practical, visible oneness. As you said, Chris, we are scattered. We're scattered inwardly. We're scattered by different uh, doctrinal persuasions. We're scattered into different, you may say, different camps of this and that. Uh, There's a real scattering today. And what is needed among God's people today is this shepherding of the Lord with these two staffs, the staff of grace and the staff of oneness. We need grace to supply us uh, with the life supply of Christ, and we need uh, the real bond that would make us one in a very practical way. Bob, in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, there is a quotation from this portion of Zechariah. Actually, chapter 13, verse 7 is quoted. In Matthew twenty-six thirty-one. the Lord Jesus said to them, You will all be stumbled because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Let's go back to Witness Lee for our final segment. Zechariah shows us the details that concern Christ as the coming Savior, as the coming Redeemer, in an intimate way. Firstly, he was welcomed by the people, but the people were cheated, were still up in falsehood. Then they changed their mind, they uh, detested him, and sold him, and condemned him, and uh, judged him, and sentenced him and put him on the cross. Messiah came in a nice, intimate way to visit his people as their king. If they were prepared, they were ready, he should be welcome. Then 
the kingdom of the heavens will be on the earth. And then the restoration time will come. That will be millennium. It should have happened this way, but it didn't. Just because of the rejection of Israel. So, in this chapter, you see such a nice Messiah was temporarily welcome, but eventually rejected to the uttermost. Then the people of Israel began to be a mess among themselves. Then Roman Empire's persecution came in through Titus. And that scattered them again. You know, they were scattered by Nebuchadnezzar. That was about more than 600 years ago. Now, under Titus, Israel was scattered again to all the nations. And this scattering continues even today. What is suffering? This is somewhat described in this chapter. You have to read and understand this chapter in this way. I am standing on the shoulders of others, but it was not so easy to collect all those things. What a mercy and blessing. Bob, it is um, sobering to consider all of the historical suffering of God's people Israel uh, is foretold, but yet linked to their rejection of this marvelous shepherd. They're still suffering, aren't they? They're still in the scattering state, even though there has been some return. But as we'll see in the coming chapters, God does have a kind of a redemption for his people Israel yet planned. But uh, for centuries, how long has there been a suffering as a result of this kind of rejection? That's right, Chris. I'm glad you pointed that out because it's very striking here that if the people of Israel had received Christ in his first coming, there would be no need for a long, long delay between his first coming and his second coming because uh, the Lord would have been able to bring in the age of restoration, the millennium, let's say, immediately. He would have just come. But because they rejected him, this suspended the time of restoration for at least 2,000 years now. So this is also a graphic picture for us. When the Lord comes to shepherd us with his grace and with the bonds of oneness to bring us into the oneness of the body of Christ, we need to accept his shepherding. We need to open ourselves and receive this shepherding. Then we will be brought into a time of restoration, a time of recovery, and we will hasten the Lord's coming rather than delaying his second coming. The Lord is desirous to come back, and he's waiting not just for the world situation to change. He's waiting for his people to come under his shepherding, to enjoy him as grace so that they can be one and they can be built up in oneness as the body of Christ. Once this building is completed among a certain number of his chosen ones who have received his shepherding, he will come. He will bring in the age of restoration. He will bring in the kingdom age. But now he's shepherding us, hoping that we will open to him to receive his shepherding care. The linkage between these two staffs, uh, these two elements of the shepherding, cannot be overestimated. Grace first, 
but a produce, a yielding from grace, this oneness is produced. And without grace, Bob, how can we stay in the bonds of the oneness? We can't. (laughs) We don't have the ability to be one in ourselves. We need the Lord himself as grace. We need to enjoy Christ as grace. Then oneness will issue out. Boy, quite some fellowship available in these uh, life studies in Zechariah, isn't it? Tremendous. It really is. Well, we hope you're enjoying this, and we also hope you would contact us about getting the printed life study messages if you would like to uh, be able to follow along. Get into the detail of these Old Testament prophecies. Match them up with uh, history. It's, it's really something, and it really does also encourage our faith in the Word of God. Um, you can contact us always at one eight 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 life study That's 888-543-3788. It's a toll-free call or write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or by email, just send it to radio at lsm.org. And for Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you for listening and join us again next time. Millions of Christians have been strengthened in their faith through the ministry of Watchman Nee. In a recent release by Living Stream Ministry entitled The Overcoming Life, Watchman Nee sounds a call to the believers to pursue the normal Christian life that is hidden with God in Christ. The Overcoming Life is filled with truth, reverberates with hope, and brings the reader to renewed consecration. The Overcoming Life by Watchman Nee from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere.